Well, hey there. Thanks so much for joining us on the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If these messages have blessed your life, go ahead and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button inside the podcast app. And if your life has been impacted by this ministry, would you consider supporting it financially so that we can continue to love God, love people, and prove it? You can give by visiting hope615.com slash give. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you are blessed through today's message. This morning, we get to take and have an opportunity to recognize and honor our 2019 high school graduates. If y'all want to give them a hand this morning, come on. We are so proud of them. And uh, I just want you to know, church, that the, the only way Hope Student Ministry exists is because you give and because you give to making a difference in the lives of teenagers. And we are so thankful for that. Well, this morning, while we take the rest of our time here to receive our tithes and offerings, I want to direct your attention to the screen as you guys check out this video from your 2019 graduates. My name is Andrew Davis, and I'm graduating from Anytime. My plans for the future are to go to Motlow for two years after spending a little bit of time in Colorado with my The biggest thing God has taught me with my time with students is in the first like year or so that I was here, he just showed me who he was and that changes everything. My name is Atalas Perez Jr. and I'm graduating from Leverett High School. My plans for the future is to become a famous artist one day, preferably a graphic designer, and I want to help the homeless however I can change the world. The biggest thing the guys taught me when I was a Hope student is that you're never alone in your struggles. My name is Justin Van Eater and I'm graduating from Stroops Creek High. My plans for the future are to go straight into work and just see what happens from there. The biggest thing I've learned from Hope students is that God, uh, everything is His timing, just to be patient and wait. My name is Emily and I'm graduating from Stroops Creek High School. My plans for the future are to go to Tennessee College of Applied Technology for Aesthetics and to work in the summer. The biggest thing God has taught me while being in Hope Students is to trust everything that He does because He has a plan for me and I need to make sure that I follow His plan because everything He's doing is for a purpose. Hi, my name is Sarah Singleton and I'm graduating from Stewart's Creek High School. After high school, I'll be attending Nashville State Community College to get my associate's degree in occupational therapy assisting. The biggest thing that God's taught me in my time at Hope Students is just to be still and abide in Him because if you're not, then He's not going to use you. And there's just been so many times where God has used me after I've been constantly in His Word and praying and yeah. My name is Blake Abraham and I'll be graduating from Stewart's Creek High School. And my plans for the future are to attend Maryland University in St. Louis, Missouri and I'll be studying sports business management and being in the Rawlings Sports Business program there. The biggest thing God taught me in my time with Hope Students is that He's always with us and um, even in our trials and brokenness, we can still worship him because he loves our broken hallelujah. Hey, my name is Carson Loving, and I'm graduating from Central Magnet School in Murfreesboro. My plans for the future are, I'm gonna be taking a gap year um, and do some mission work uh, here in the US and overseas for one year, and then going to MTSU. The biggest thing God's taught me here at Hope Students is that he's always good and that his plans, he, he always has a plan and we just have to Surrender and trust him each day in that because um, he, he's, he's got it all. So. Well, come on. Seniors, will you stand up? Will you all give a huge, loving round of applause for our 2019 graduates? 
Listen, we love you. We're proud of you. We believe in you. Uh, Emily's going to hand you a gift this morning. And uh, here's what I want to do, church. Before we go into today's message, if I could invite the whole church to stand up. Uh, and if you are a family of a senior in the room, if you could just make your way to the front with me real quick. We're going to take just a moment of time this morning to pray over our students. So if you're a parent of one of our seniors up front, would y'all just make your way down here and, and huddle up? You can be family as well. Come on, if y'all just want to make your way up. We want to take just a moment to pray over our seniors and to bless them. Church in the room, if y'all would do me a favor as we pray over them, if you're not able to reach them, if you would just hold your hand up in the air symbolically saying that we are all here to pray over you this morning. Let's take just a minute of time to pray for our seniors. Father, we thank you for this group of students. God, I praise you and I bless your name that you have brought them to yourself. God, that you have done a good work in them and that good work is just now taking flight. Father, that they have a hope and a future in you, God, that as they move forward, they do not have to be fearful of who they will become or what they're going to do with their lives, Father, because they get to trust you, and then they wake up every single morning. They get to move forward believing your plan is in over their life. Father, I pray protection on them as they move forward. Father, I pray that you would keep them and give them all the strength they need to run the race that you have set for them, King Jesus. Father, we bless your name and we bless these teenagers this morning as they graduate. It's in Jesus' name we pray and the whole church said, amen. Amen. Y'all give them a hand one more time. As people move back to their seats, we, uh, we are very excited to love on our, our seniors and to, to watch them graduate and to watch them move forward in life. And, uh, and I'm, I'm thankful, those of you who I've never had the opportunity to meet, my name is Jared Shingleton. I'm, I'm the student pastor here at Hope Fellowship Church, so I get to hang out with teenagers for a living. It's awesome. It's a, it's a great time. And, uh, and so I, I just want you to know who I am. My heart is that we would be a church who raises up another generation of people to follow him, that we would never be content getting old in the faith, but as that our children grow up, that we would empower them and teach them to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and to go out and love people as well and to prove that with their life. And so I'm thankful to get to do what I get to do. Uh, I, I, on this Sunday, generally, I would write a sermon geared just to our seniors, that I would preach just to you to prepare you as you get ready to go out into this world. Uh, but we have been in a series called Fully Known. And as we were praying and wondering, are we going to take a break from this series just to, to, for today's message, or will we continue in today's series? I said, well, what's the text? Let's look at the scripture. Where are we in, in the book of First Peter as we've been traveling through the book of First Peter? And as I read this week's text, I found that this is actually the perfect message and the perfect timing for our seniors to hear this. And so we are remaining in our teaching series fully known. Those of you who have not been with us on this journey, uh, we are simply studying the book of 1 Peter and walking through it. And so we are going to be beginning today in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. And so I would challenge you, if you have not read the book of 1 Peter up to this point, would you take time on your own this afternoon or maybe a little bit later and go back and read 1 Peter chapter 1 and, and up to first two, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, that you would kind of catch yourself up on what we've been studying as we continue in this book. So I want to take a moment this morning just to read this word. It's in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 11, and it says this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God 
on the day that he visits us. Let's take one more moment to pray as we jump in this morning. Father, as we are studying your word, and God, as we are looking at your text, I ask and I pray that you would help this to come alive in our lives, that you would stir this word up in our soul, that it would not go in one ear and out the other, but Father, as we hear your word, that we would dwell on it, that we would meditate on it, Father, and that we would let it leak out in all areas of our lives, Father. Teach us something this morning. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And so this morning, let's just jump into this text. We're going to break it down in three categories and three points. If you're a note taker, I need the notes and I need the points. Without the points, I can't keep up. So point number one is this. You have an identity. The first thing that we see in this text is that you have this God-given identity that it's not necessarily us who gets to decide who we're going to be in the future, but we have this identity that God has given us. And so let me just point out to you what the identity starts as. Peter writes this message. He says, dear friends, to the church, to everybody who believes in Jesus, i got to tell you something. Listen, he says, I urge you, here's your identity, as foreigners and exiles. You're hoping I'd say something better there. Um, But that's what he says. He says, I want to give you your identity. Let me know. Let me tell you who I'm addressing. Let me show you who you are. You are the people who do not belong. Let me address you, church, God's people, as foreigners and exiles. Let me address you as the people who do not belong. And so before we jump into this, let me just ask you a question. Have you ever been somewhere that you feel like you don't belong? You ever been there? How awkward is that? No, for real, y'all. Some of y'all fit in everywhere. Wow. And you learn from you. How many of you have walked into a church before and you sat there being like, I don't belong here? Yeah, some of you right now, I'm not gonna point you out. You're like, uh, we're glad you're here. You do belong here. The sign says so. We, uh, I wanna share with you though, there was a, when I was graduating high school, like our youngins on the front row, I, uh, I was so excited to go to college and I was so excited that I waited to the very last minute to enroll. And, uh, and so I finally enrolled and I had a limited selection of classes because it was so late to enrolling since classes started the next day. And so I made this decision to choose my classes wisely, as any young student would. Most of my classes were okay, but they said, listen, you need one more class. I said, well, that's cool. Sign me up. They said, well, you're going to need an algebra class, a college algebra class. Cool. I felt that in high school. Let's give it a shot in college. So I said, sign me up. That's good. I got to have a class. Sign me up. So I signed up for a college algebra class on Saturday. So I signed up for a college algebra class on Saturday at 8 (laughs) a.m. I went to the very first class. I realized very quickly, I am a foreigner in exile in this land, and I do not belong here. And uh, never went back. Nope. Uh, And did did not finish that class with an A. So... I realized pretty quickly, though, I don't belong. These people, these are Saturday morning, 8 a.m. algebra people, and I'm not those people. Something is not right. And uh, I had this sense of feeling in my heart. I was just like, man, one of these things is not like the other. (laughs) I don't fit in. And as we're addressed by Peter in the the scriptures, he's kind of saying the same thing to you and me. He says, hey, I want to address you as foreigners and and exiles. I need you to realize something. You don't belong. And so that begs the question, where is it that we, we don't belong? Is it, is it here in the state of Tennessee, I don't belong in middle Tennessee? No. Is it this country that I, I don't belong, I shouldn't be a U.S. citizen? No. Is it, is, is it just any other nation, maybe I don't belong there? No. He is saying to the Christian, you do not belong on the earth. 
He's saying you are a foreigner and an exile in your time on this planet. From the moment you gave your life to Jesus, from the moment you surrendered your, your life to him and said, Jesus, you can have lordship of my life and I will follow you, at that moment you were reborn, Scripture says, into a new creation. And from that moment forward, you no longer have the right to abide and belong on the earth. You no longer fit in. You see, he gives you this identity, and it's a little bit shaky because most people at the time don't want to be associated with an exile. Most people don't want to be associated as the foreigner because that means I'm not established. That means I don't have things. That means I don't have my, my home and generations of families in my land. That means I don't have all the stuff. I'm just a passerby traveler. But that's exactly what Peter calls us. That's exactly the identity he gives us when he starts off his text. He says, listen to me, you are not a citizen of the earth anymore. You do not belong here. I often use the, the, this example. I, I've spent some time in Brazil and got to go down there for, for a lot of trips and do a lot of work down there. And in Brazil, I've, I've got some friends. I've got people there I've gotten to know. We're buds. Most of them are Brazilian. Now, I've tried my best to learn culture. I've tried my best to learn the language. I can fit in pretty okay when I'm there. I'm to the point in, in my journey with my Brazilian buds that I can fit in pretty okay. But none of them think I'm Brazilian. Not one of them. I mean, I don't, I don't look as pretty. I'm not as cool. I, I, I'm not near as, as good skin complexion. I just, I'm just a white boy there, right? But they know that. And I'm not fooling anybody. And so when I'm asked the question when I'm in Brazil, what are you doing here? Sure, you fit in okay. Sure, sure, you, you're coming in, you're learning the language. Sure, you're going house to house and hanging out with us and, 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 and hanging out with Brazilians, but you don't look like it. You're, you don't belong. You're not a citizen. You're right. I'm like, you know what? You're right. I'm not a citizen here. In fact, I'm from another country, but, but I am here for now. And the reason I've come here is I'm on this thing called a mission trip. I've selected a predetermined amount of time that I'm going to sacrifice everything I have at my home, everything I've built up in my life, I'm going to sacrifice it all to come here to spread the gospel. I have this mission. I'm here to love people well. I'm here to pass out water filters and pass out, and we want to help you eat, and we want to teach you some things. We want to teach you to grow some nutritious food. We want to, we want to help change the culture. We want to bring about some goodness. We want to help your kids. And I get to say that while I'm here, I am on a mission, but you're right, I'm actually not from here. You got that? Right, and that picture, that mission trip idea is exactly what the Christian should be experiencing from the moment we give our life to Christ to the moment we see him in heaven. That as I'm here, you're right, I no longer belong here, but I do have a task. I'm no longer a citizen of this planet, but as long as I've got left, I'm here on mission. I have a task. I have something to do. You're right, I'm not, I don't belong but I will spend the remainder of my mission trip, the tent of a home I have in this body, to serve the king, to help others, to do good, to do the mission of loving God, loving people, and prove it. Paul speaks to this. Paul chimes in about our citizenship. He says, in fact, you are citizens of heaven. He paints that picture for the Christian that when you give your life to Christ, you are no longer a citizen of the earth, but you, in fact, are a citizen of heaven. Students, I need you to know something. As you move forward in the next season of life, it's going to be very easy for you to attempt to find somewhere to fit in and belong. 
You've got to find friends. You've got to find people you love. You've got to find somebody to do your life with. But hear me out. Nowhere for the Christian do we just belong. No matter where we go, whether it's to school or to work, whether it's to move out of mom's house or stay there, no matter what it is, no matter what the next season of your life holds, you've got to remember that for the Christian, we truly don't belong anywhere. Our home is in heaven. The moment you gave your life to Christ, God says he began creating a new home for you, and it's not on this earth, it's in heaven. And so on this life, we get to move forward knowing we already have an identity, that God has already given us an identity in him. Point number two I want to give you this morning is this. According to this text and this passage, you have a problem. According to this passage, he starts off, he says, I'll give you an identity. He starts off different, I urge you as foreigners and exiles. So there he is, I gave you an identity. But then he says, you've got a problem. He moves forward. Here it is, to abstain from sinful desire which wage war against your soul. So we've got this problem in us. Problem number one is that we are full of sinful desire. Problem number two is that that sin wages and stirs up a war in my soul. How many of you guys have toddlers? If you got a toddler, say, that's me. Hey, my people. I got a three-year-old. The other day, Shiloh, she's getting smart at three, and uh, she knows that we don't let her have a lot of chocolate. And um, you can call us good parents, but some may call us bad parents. We, uh, we, just, we just think a lot of chocolate's not good for a little girl. She's going to stay up late. I know what's best for her. I know if she just eats a ton of sugar, getting her to bed is going to be a nightmare. She's going to feel horrible the next morning. She's going to be up all night. It's just not good for my kid to eat a ton of chocolate. And so at my mom's house, her grandma, there's just chocolate everywhere. And, um, and so <laughs> it's just all over the place. So for us as parents who are poor, we can't afford chocolate, so we don't have it. I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> but really... Uh, so for us, we don't have it in the house. We just, we just kind of try to avoid it as best we can. So Shiloh finds some chocolate at my mom's house the other day. And you would think she's not smart enough, but sure enough, she is. And she, she takes that chocolate, and she just kind of disappeared. None of us knew she had it. We didn't know where she was. So my mom's walking by. We're like, where, where's my kid? I'm feeling like a bad parent at this point. Where is it? And they go, <laughs> sorry, her. They go to the clock. Listen, they go to the bathroom. My daughter is standing in the single bathroom in the dark with chocolate eating it. And my mom goes, what are you doing, Shiloh? What are you doing in here? She goes, I'm eating chocolate. <laughs> she goes, why are you in here alone? Like, come on out. You can come out here. She goes, my dad will see. <laughs> and she's eating chocolate, hiding from me in the bathroom. So finally, I'm like, okay, I got I to go talk to my daughter. This is all kinds of weird. You're too young for this. So we get over there, and I'm like, she sees me coming, by the way. She see, and immediately the chocolate, she just starts throwing it back as hard as she can. So I walk up. She's chewing on it. It's in her mouth. Chocolate, you know how it is. It's all over the place. I'm like, what are you doing, Shiloh? She says, nothing. I said, did you eat some chocolate? No. I said, did you eat chocolate? She goes, yeah, but it was. And she starts crying and tearing up. Why? My little girl, I can see this text already playing out. Her father, I know what's best for her. It's not that I don't want her to have good gifts. In fact, I would love nothing more to provide my daughter with the best gifts. But it's good for her. And I know that there's things in her life that taste great but are not best. And so for my little girl, there's this, this tension that now exists in our relationship in this moment where she ran after and sought something that does taste good. It's all right. It feels good for her. 
but she knows her father's will. She knows that I would not say it's best for her. And so now what's happened in her life is she's got this inner struggle of pursuing what she wants and listening to her dad who knows what's best. And for the Christian, this is the same dilemma that you and I have, that we've got this sinful desire. I love how he does not start this text by saying, would you abstain from sinful things that gross you out? That's easy. I can, I can avoid the sin that I don't enjoy. It's the sin that I enjoy that's hard to get away from. He says, would you abstain from sinful desire? The things that you want. The things that taste good to you, but yet they sit outside of the will of the Father. The things you need. Would you, would you abstain from those? Because when you indulge, it creates this waging war in you of the of God, the Father's will in you that is now fighting against the fleshly things you chose. And me and my daughter had to have a conversation. I had to get down on my knees and say, baby, what are you doing? Now not only did you run off and hide and do this in the dark and in the secret place where no one was watching, but now when I've seen you, now you've brought it to the light, you're lying to me. And it's in that moment when it's all been brought to the light and her father confronts her that there's this moment of, of waging war within her soul. Do I come clean so that me and my dad can be okay or do I go back and keep up the lie and try to do it again? The problem with this story is that for you and me, most of us think we're right the whole time. And so when the father steps in and says, hey, let me redirect you, this isn't best. I know it's not best for her. She's not yet there to make that decision. I know that her nap time is coming. I know that her bedtime is coming. I know that if, if she starts eating sugar now, that it's gonna destroy the plans that we have for her later, plans that are actually healthy and good for her. And the Father in heaven has this same type view of his people that though we enjoy chocolate, though I can indulge and, and desire this sin, it creates a waging war with me because it takes me away from what God actually has for me. That he already knows the plan. He knows what's coming ahead. He also knows the effects of what I indulge in in my life. He knows the things that come along with it. Shiloh doesn't understand sugar and what it does to her body. She doesn't understand how it makes her crazy. She just doesn't get it. But her dad does. And we have a father in heaven, all of us do, who looks down on his people. He says, I need you to know something. You've got this problem. The problem is that I, as your father, have set a will for your life, and I've set a good, pleasing, and perfect will according to the scriptures. But so many times we want to dip out on our relationship with the father, and we want to dip out on our, our plan for him because we think our chocolate tastes better. We think our plan is worth it. The taste of my sin is better than the Father's will and me and Father being in agreement. And there's a text in Galatians that actually gives us some more insight to this waging war within us. It says this in Galatians 5, 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. So when he mentions the flesh, he's talking about this sin desire, the same thing that Peter's talking about. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the the Spirit of God. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. We have two opposing things here. For these are opposed to each other. Listen, listen to this part. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. 
again, this acknowledgement that sin, this flesh desire, is usually something I want. You see, that's the problem that we have to recognize in ourselves. That's the problem with those choosing to follow Jesus is that I'm committing myself to a higher way of living. I'm committing myself to the Father's will and what he has for me, but I'm still carrying around this desire and these wants that my flesh calls out to. And it wages a war within me. Seniors, I want to encourage you as you move out and as you graduate and as you move forward, there's going to be moment after moment after moment as you step into this new freedom of life where the enemy will throw good-looking chocolate your way. And the Father may know it's not best for you. The Father may look from heaven and say, this is not the plan. Would you choose to walk away from the chocolate? Would you choose to step away, to abstain, as the scriptures say, from this sinful desire? It does look good, and it probably tastes okay, but it's just for a minute because God knows a plan for your life, and and when we go off that path, when we want away from that path, we begin to build up this own journey, and it wages a war, and it drives a gap in between your relationship with the Father. And at some point, our good Father in heaven will bring it to the light. At some point, I had to go to my daughter and say, come on, baby, let's get out of the dark. Come here, we gotta talk. I hope that it doesn't get to that point. I hope that you can secure a relationship with your father that as you continue, you never feel the need to run away. You never feel the need to hide. You never feel the need to chase something down he doesn't have for you because you have a father in heaven who already sees you and has good gifts for you. And for those of you in the room who are thinking this morning, well, Jared, I gotta tell you something, man. I've already been chasing down the chocolate, man. I've been indulging from day one for God to approach me. There's some darkness I'm holding on to. Listen to me. I would never bring my daughter out to shame her. I would, you will never find me as a good father grabbing my daughter by the hand and tracking her around the house saying, everybody, look at her. Look what she did. She, she did this. Look at her. Well, can you believe she did that? Look, she hits him. Can you believe she did so? I would never do that. No, as a good dad, I got down. I looked in the eyes and said, baby, what are you doing? Why are you lying? And when we have this conversation, there's this moment where she can confess what's going on. Scripture says that if we confess with our mouths that he is Lord, that we will be saved. You see, when my daughter, my daughter tells me what's going on, I get to then hug her. I say, I love you, baby. Thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you for telling me about that. Let's just get rid of that. Hey, I know what's best for you. It's okay. Let's just move forward with the plan that I have. A good father gets to take his child and continue walking. I'm not diverting the plan for my daughter's life. We're going to keep going forward. And for those of you in the room who feel far from the king because you've made some decisions that weren't best, let me hear you say the same thing to you. You have a father in heaven who sees you, who loves you, and who knows you. And when he brings it to the light, he's not bringing it to the light to shame you, but to heal you and to give you purpose again. She wanted some chocolate, y'all. She heard me talking about it. Point number three I want to give you this morning is this. Point number three that we get from this text is this. You have a mission. You have a mission that's given from God. There are a couple things that stick out in this text for you and I. Number one, you've got an identity. Number two, we see that you have a problem. But number three, we see that you also have a mission. Let's read this text Again, he says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, 
They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Live such good lives among unbelieving people that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may look at your life and your deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Your mission is pretty simple. It is to live such a godly life that people see the glory and the awe and the wonder of God in you. That we would live such a godly life that people would see the glory of him within his church and his people. I want to read you a text. It will be on the screen by John Piper. He said about this passage, here's what he said. He says, when we direct our desires to God and find hope and contentment in his mercy and his power and his promises, then our outward life starts to show what Peter calls excellent behavior. A humble love and fearless courage and self-denying generosity and joyful simplicity and peaceful suffering, these behaviors point to God's glory because they point to a stable, a sure, satisfying object of desire and hope that is not of this world. This means for us, church, that what you do with your time matters. This means that how you go to class matters. This means that how you go to work, that matters. It means that in all things you do, you have a purpose from God that you are on missions. I want to read you a text out of Colossians, and the band will work their way this way, and we'll get ready to wrap up today. It's in Colossians 3, 23, and it says this. He says, whatever you do, would you work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men. And we've talked about this text in our student ministry over the years a lot because it speaks to the teenager soul, I think, so clearly. Because as a teenager, we're always wondering, what's next? What are we gonna do? Maybe for you, you've been spending all your time on this journey wondering, what's next? I'm gonna graduate. What am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? What school am I gonna choose? Am I gonna like the program? Am I gonna fail the class? What about algebra Saturday at 8 a.m.? Is it gonna be cool or am I gonna hate it? I don't know, I gotta figure out what to do with my life. Who am I gonna be? Where am I gonna go? What am I gonna do? And these questions are just going through your head and they never seem to settle down because you've got to figure out who are you. Well, just hear me out, man. You don't have to figure it out all the way. You don't have to know who you're going to be 30, 40, 50 years from now. You've got to know who you're going to be today. And the scripture says, whatever you do, it does not, whatever you do, if you're going to do it, work heartily at it and do it for the Lord, not for man. Whatever you do, I promise you one thing. You wake up tomorrow morning and you say to yourself, today is the day. Whatever I do and every single thing I do today is going to be for the Lord's glory. I promise you, you'll wake up 25 years from now being blown away with what God has given you in your life. You will be blown away with where God takes you. You start doing homework for the glory of God, tell me you're not going to get an A. You start going to work for the glory of God, tell me somebody doesn't notice how hard you work. In all things you do, whatever you do, work at it hard. Do it well, not because you're doing it for man, but because we're doing it for the king. We're doing it for the king. I want to leave you guys with something we've been talking about in our student ministry for eight years now. We've done our very best at Hope Students to teach you how to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, how to love people, and how to prove it. Those words that we say all the time, to love God, to love people and prove it, those are not our own words. I want to leave you today with a text out of Matthew 22 where Jesus gives us this directive. He says this. He says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? He was asked. And Jesus replied, here it is. 
Would you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind? This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on those two commandments. I challenge you, seniors, as you move forward and whatever God has for you, do not forget to love God, to love people, and to prove it. Y'all, let's pray together, and then we're going to worship. Father, this morning, I am praying for our 2019 graduates. Father, that you would remind them and keep in front of them that they are called to love you with all their heart, soul, and mind. Father, to love you with every ounce of energy and zeal that they can muster. And God, that similarly they are called first to to love people, God, to take care of those around them, to see a need and meet it, to be a person who who secures people and not, not causes disunity and not causes problems and doesn't cause pain and doesn't bully, but God, to be a person who loves others well. And God, would you please help them to remember that every day that they wake up, they have an opportunity to prove it. God, would you bless our graduates? And Father, I ask that you would bless this church. That in the same way, no matter where you find any people in this room on their journeys, God, no matter where we are, that you would look down from heaven and that you would see a people who love you. God, you would see a people who love those around them. And Father, that every day your church would prove it. God, we bless you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening to the Hope Fellowship Church podcast. If you're interested in becoming more connected at Hope Fellowship Church, please visit hope615.com slash get connected.